Welcome to the Franchise Growth Podcast. This is the podcast for franchisors and business leaders to get tangible weekly action steps to improve your franchise system. Plus, it's a great way to get professional development in while you're driving, doing the dishes, or walking your dog. Hosted by the team at AC Inc., you'll learn about how to effectively coach franchisees to make your system more profitable, creating a successful growth mindset, modern leadership insights, and so much more. Get ready to talk franchise growth. Hello, and welcome back to the Franchise Growth Pod. My name is Belle, lead on all things marketing at AC Inc., and I am back on the pod today with Angela herself. Angela, how's it going? Oh my gosh, it's going good. I'm enjoying the uh, the little bit slower pace of the summer and just having having a good time all around. Thanks for thanks for having me back to talk about some exciting stuff. Oh my gosh, well, I'm really I'm really uh, excited about today's episode. I wanted to open up today's episode though um, on this lovely summer day, feeling all summery. If you're watching on YouTube, Angela and I are both dressed very summery, actually in our light colors. Um, I wanted to open up this question, or open. Oh my gosh, open up this episode with a question, um, and it's kind of a random question. If you could travel to one place, where would it be, and what would you do there? Oh, it's always a tough one because I don't have that one place always. But the first thing that right popped now, up, just what you're feeling in the okay, moment. What I felt right now immediately was Belize scuba diving. Ooh, oh my god! Yeah, I, I it's been a while since I I've been uh, like diving um, in, especially when it's such a treat to do it in a Caribbean or anywhere warm. Um, and so I love vacations that combine diving scuba diving being one of my favorite sort of recreational activities to do on a trip with some relaxation and beach and warm weather and all that so I was actually recently thinking about like I do like sightseeing um but I I don't know I feel like a little bit of like I want to see the culture of the place I'm in whether we're talking uh you know I'm in Paris France or (laughs) Moose Jaw Saskatchewan I mean there's always a little bit of a culture in these places so I want to make sure too like if I went to I wouldn't want to go to I haven't I I said Belize I haven't actually researched Belize but I know that it's a good diving spot but I want to would want to make sure that there's also good like top side attractions would be what my dad used to always say like top side like are there also good restaurants and you know patios to sit on and and nice accommodations and things like that. So that's, I'd go for that right now. Honestly, that sounds like the dream. Um, I was uh, telling um, my fiance, I'm actually getting married very, very soon. I think. I know. But we were talking about how we're at the point in the wedding planning process where I just really want to plan the honeymoon specifically. We're not going Mm. right away, but I'm definitely at that point where I'm like, I want somewhere warm. I want an ocean. I'm ready for a patio drink. Like that is where I want to be. So we are on the exact same page right now. Maybe we should do it together. Maybe we should. (laughs) Can I come on your honeymoon? (laughs) Or we should just book like a AC and bell trip. Um, There you go. Record a podcast. Perfect business trip. I'm in. We can we can expense it. Yes. Awesome. Okay. This is a <laughs> plan. Wow. We should podcast more often. We come up with great ideas. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Don't tell Stephen. <laughs> no one else can come. Um, yeah. Okay. Well, that's an awesome answer. Glad we're so aligned. Glad we have our business trip planned. Um, mm-hmm. I want to dive in today, um, and I'll actually just kind of open up. This is going to be kind of a really a really interesting, cool conversation. Um, because what we're going to do is we're going to take this really um, interesting concept around franchising, which is that it's a very family 
family focused business. And it actually, um, we know so many people, so many of your network, so many people in our roundtables, um, so many incredible uh, founders and leaders and franchisees who grew up in the industry. So we're either a kid of a franchisee, franchisor, someone who worked in a home office, field coach, marketing, but Franchising specifically seems to really have a lot of family elements. There's also um, a lot of young people that come into the space, especially if they're drawn in from family. So I'm, and of course, you being the founder's daughter, a very iconic Canadian franchise brand that you helped grow to almost 500 locations. Um, you kind of have this really unique perspective on this phenomenon. Um, and then also, there's so many lessons I think woven into that conversation in terms of, um, you know, how young people can come into an industry like this and kind of establish credibility and and grow and try new things. But then also how, you know, as franchisors or as leaders in franchise systems, you can, you know, create welcoming spaces for people to, you know, feel excited to enter into the industry. And so it's just this really interesting um, part of franchising. And I wanted to have a really great discussion around it. And there's going to be lessons and um, perspectives and insights that we'll get into. Um, and I wanted to start maybe just with a really quick intro into, for anyone who hasn't listened to one of our podcast episodes before, just a quick intro into you growing up in the industry and kind of what that looked like when you were younger to, and the different roles you've maybe had in it, uh, just as kind of a background for anyone who hasn't uh, heard your story before. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I was five when my, my, my that. <laughs> Later in the day, we usually record these a bit earlier, like my, my language is going out the door, but I'll keep, I'll try again here. Um, when my dad founded the company. And uh, so, you know, I, for me, it was just, I didn't know any different, right? And I, like I was, yeah, five. I mean, I remember a lot of fun things that I got to do, like sitting in the back of the store and putting stickers on boxes because like back then there were, the boxes weren't pre-labeled, right? And so I thought like it was a big deal to get to do these things, right? And over time, you know, getting to do different things in in our in the stores and things. But for me, I think, um, I guess I just, for one thing, my dad and I were like, we're buddies, right? And so like, he'd bring me along. And um, I think, you know, there were just a lot of opportunities that would come up. And my dad always said to me, this is a big thing. He always said, like, I, I'm, I'll help open doors and, you know, with opportunities that are in front of you, I'll, I'll help you get those opportunities and, and get your foot in the door. But you need to prove yourself when you get the, that opportunity. Like, you know, I can, I can recommend that maybe they talk to you about, like, I remember when I got a job when I was, I don't know, maybe 18 in our home office um, at, in the summer, help, helping at the reception desk, like tagging off with our main receptionist mm -hmm. and, and saying like, I'll do that, but you're going to have to, you know, pull your weight. Like, you know, people, I know you've heard, you've heard me say this bell, but he, my dad always said, you know, people are watching you as a, as a founder's daughter or founder's kid of a founder. Like they're looking because they think that you're getting everything handed to you. And I don't know. I, I, I don't think I would have been comfortable with the idea that things were handed to me. I, I, I don't know, I guess maybe I also got lucky that my dad was tough on me in that way. I think it helped me learn a lot. Um, but yeah, so it was always this like, um, keep earning a little more, like, okay, prove that you can do this. Like even, even like I joked about the stickers, but I, you know, okay, I got the stickers. Now what, you know, it was like the next steps. Eventually I'll, I remember when I finally was able to work in our stores behind the counter and selling and feeling like, oh, now I'm like doing this. And then the next thing was, um, after a couple of years of that was going and working in our, our home office and thinking, oh, I'm working in an office now. And, and then I got to work in uh, one of our departments where I learned a ton, our technical services department, which was 
uh, not technolo technology, but like technical about the food, you know, the, uh, all the um, specifications and things that we had on the food and learn about that. And, and so again, there, like, it was like, okay, we're going to give you some projects. Um, so yeah, it, it was like always these little steps forward and making sure that I was earning my way. Um, even to the, when I was in, uh, in the middle of my university degree for business, I was feeling, um, restless on my peers were going off to Toronto. I went to school in Waterloo to, uh, Wilfrid Laurier and my peers were going off to Toronto. And I was like, I just, I don't know. I don't, there's something not getting its hook in me about doing what everybody else is doing. And I was talking to my dad and he was my mentor and, um, he, uh, he's like, well, you know, we've got suppliers all over North America, really. And I, I, I could maybe see if anybody's hiring. And again, again, you know, you have to all unlock the door or help get you in, but you've got to win them over with your, you know, what, what you can do for them. And you're going to, when you get there, you need to work hard so that they don't think that your dad just got you a job. So, you know, and I, yeah, I just, I took that really seriously, I guess. Um, and then eventually ended up back in the, you know, back on the the, the M and M team and the in the field, and um, yeah, it was all about this like winning, not winning, sorry, earning earning where I was at for me. Yeah, and I I bet a lot of people who grow up with um, parents or other family members, uncles, aunts, you know, um, even older siblings, like all kinds of people in your family, or even close, you know, family friends and stuff in positions to help you. It is really interesting how um, I think as much as it's amazing when you're given opportunities, I think um, to succeed, you're totally right. You have to then capitalize. And I think that goes for any kind of opportunity that's presented in any way. Like if you- yes, That's a lesson right there, right? Yeah, if you make a connection anywhere, and I, I remember thinking this a lot, and um, I've learned it a lot too. Like I, I'm a young person in the business space, right? Still technically, I keep aging myself. I keep thinking I'm older than I am. But you're mature. <laughs> no, I forget how old I am often. But um, but I, I have noticed like when you have an opportunity that's put in front of you or a mistake that you made or whatever that kind of position you're put in, it's all about what you do with it, right? It's all about, because there are lots of people who are given awesome, yeah, job opportunities or even just connections and those kinds of things. And that's awesome. But the people who you see kind of move through um, career um, development or move through even like personal development and really, really work hard and move to the next thing are often the people who take hold of whatever they can yeah. find um, and and make the absolute most of it. So yeah, I think that's a very common feeling just from anyone who has, um, and then also there's that immense pressure um, with family members who are in a business space, especially one like franchising, where it's a lot about, you know, performance and achieving goals and all these things. And it can definitely be a lot of pressure on, on kids um, and whether it's yeah your parent or, or, a, or a different person in your life, but I think there can be a lot mm -hmm. of a pre uh, pressure, which is what you were just talking about there as well. Yeah, and I just um, I'll add this in that I like my dad was as I said he was my mentor, and I really looked up to him, and so I was definitely not just trying to impress the people around me. I was trying to impress him. Mm. You know, like it mattered to me that he thought that I was doing a good job. And I think that that probably happens a lot when people's parent, one of their parents is um, an entre successful entrepreneur, because as I was growing up, I was, I, it was it was definitely interesting. I was starting to see the business growing. And I don't know that I could have internalized how exciting that was myself. But then 
you know, I'd be with my dad out in the community or something and people would be making a big deal about him in front of me. And I'm like, oh, okay. Or my, you know, might be over at my friend's house and they're like, you know, showing me the, the newspaper article that was about Eminem that day in the local newspaper or something. And they're like, this must be so cool. And I'm like, yeah, I guess it kind of is cool. Like that's all I know. But um, yeah, so I think um, I, I would imagine that a lot of, especially people that have some entrepreneurial blood themselves as, uh, you know, sons and daughters of of entrepreneurs and successful founders and entrepreneurs probably naturally can't help but to look up to their successful parents. Yeah. And I, I'm sure not everyone has the exact same experience, but I do think that is definitely part of it is, and what you were saying too, about the, it's not even about, um, you know, impressing those around you as a, a really young person heading into a, a very um, big business space, but it's also about thinking of the mentors in your life. And that can be a lot of different roles for a lot of different people, but yeah, having that kind of be something you're looking to is, is a very interesting facet of this, you know, growing up in an industry. I was actually just on that point. Why do you think, uh, I was actually going to start with this question, but why do you think franchising has so many, like, I know so many people who grew up with either their parents or their uncle or whatever as a franchisee or a franchisor or worked in a home office being like, it is so common to talk to people and go, oh yeah, you know, I grew up in it, or this is not that, you know, different from what I was used to when I was younger and, or I worked in it when I was a teenager. Like there's just so many people that have that experience. Why do you think this industry has that so often? Like, is there anything about the industry that kind of brings that out in different family members or um, is it the welcomingness or is it the familiarity? Like, I'm just really curious from your perspective, what you think draws so many people back into the space as they get older from when they were younger and growing up in it. Uh, I've got a couple of thoughts on my mind. One of them is that the very nature of franchising is like you're creating a family, you know, like, like, that is a very common theme when you're a franchisor to think of your franchisees as your family, because they have to buy into what you're doing and become a part of this journey with you. So I think there's a, like a, a underlying element there about that. Like we're all um, on the same boat type thing. Like everyone's yeah. on the same mission. And so there's that sense of like unity that starts really, really early in a system. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, because, yeah, because the whole point of franchising is to have this network of, uh, of, well, support from the franchisor, like the parents almost. And then the franchisees are like the siblings helping each other and supporting each other. So there's, yeah, so there's that. And then I think in addition to that, when it comes to the franchisor, why there might be a lot of that is because, because it is so uh, niche or niche, as our American friends like to sometimes say, um, just doing the, you know, I'm doing my translation for everybody here, niche, niche, um, but that it, because it is, it would, I think what happens is people realize that if, like what happened to me is, as you know, we've, this was just out on another podcast that we've uh, talked to or we had where we talked about that it wasn't my plan to stay in franchising my whole life, but you try to go away from it. And you realize that if you have some background in that world of franchising, whatever it is, you probably have some unique skill set mm. that, that you might as well leverage. Like, this is why, like, I, I see and hear people like on LinkedIn or people we talk to and they say, like, I will never leave franchising or they they leave their role, even if it's with a vendor in franchising and they go do something else. Maybe they got, you know, allured by a, a better paycheck or something somewhere else. And they're like, I just I got to come back to the franchise family. I got to come back to franchising. So I think that 
that uniqueness, that family feeling for the franchisor. I think that's why people come back. On the franchisee side, though, there's a little bit more to the story. There are a lot of franchisees that buy, uh, like they, they invest in a franchise with the intention to uh, either pass it along to their family member or at least bring the family members into it. Um, you know, when people become a franchisee, they become a small business owner. Often it's it's easier just to bring the kid, you know, the kids to to hang out if it's a brick and mortar, I guess, or whether it's driving around in the truck or whatever it is. Often it just ends up being the way it is. I hear this a lot. So um, it's a it's a business model that enables a person to uh, to have their kids be a part of it, whether they're little or, you know, maybe they work in the store or or uh, I, I shouldn't just talk about stores, but and whatever the brand is. So I think there's a, a bunch of things there. Yeah, I think actually a couple of those points are really, really key. I, I think the niche knowledge is actually, I hadn't thought about that. I had thought about the community aspect and the the bonds that you create kind of with that system and how a lot of people are really attracted to that from a career standpoint, but I hadn't thought about the niche knowledge. I think that actually is really, really true. Um, and actually also on the, the, um, what you were saying about how franchising is also very family oriented. It's funny. You have said many, many a time that when someone is going through vetting their franchisees, one of the things that has to be on that list is do you have a spouse and are they on board? Because if they're not, this is like a, this is a very full-time mm. commitment. You are starting a business. Um, and entrepreneurs, the same thing, right? There's so many reasons, uh, or is there so many, um, entrepreneurs that go through, um, you know, big, you know, they build a business and it's like all encompassing and marriages or relationships can struggle um, if they're not fully on board with it or fully understanding what's going to happen. And so in franchising, especially when someone is buying into it, it's even more, you know, important and valuable to have that be part of the process. Um, so I just thought that was funny. Like, yeah. I think there's all parts of franchising that cover that kind of family oriented family so much. thing. Well, and also when, as a franchisee, what we see or what happens so much is that, you know, the idea or the, the intention is that the spouse will be not involved and the, you know, the, the person that signs up is going to do the work, but then the spouse often it just gets its hook in the spouse. They get involved or maybe they have no choice because the the person's never home and they're like, well, I kind of want to see my spouse. So now they're helping in the business or they realize like nobody usually has the skill set of everything you need. And often, often, you know, one of the spouses is the hands-on operator and the other person's doing the books in the background. So it really, yeah. And they have to support. And when it gets tough, you, that's a big thing. If your spouse doesn't support what you're doing. And now, especially with it, like, it's different if you start a small business and you have, you can do whatever you want. If you want to close the business down, I mean, you can also do that with a franchise. If, if you have to, ideally you'd sell it. Um, but, um, you know, you're a little bit more uh, committed. I think it feels when you're in a franchise because there's a, a franchise agreement in place. Mm -hmm. So you really do need your spouse and your family to be excited for you and, and support you. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, and I think it just speaks to the overall feeling of franchisee um, uh, and family um, involvement. That's like a really big part of the industry. Um, one question about being a young person stepping into the franchise space. And there are, again, so many. Like It's really wow. crazy when you actually start, we were thinking about it on the roundtable the other day. It's like, it really is crazy when you start thinking about it, like how many people have been involved in some way, shape or form with their family since they were pretty young. 
Um, and I'm curious if, if you're, you were a young person who stepped into an actual role in the business, you talked about obviously <laughs> putting the stickers on in the back and like how exciting all these moments were going to grand openings. I'm sure it was so exciting when you were really, really, a, you know, a kid and, and just yeah. enjoyed the fun of it. And, but when you were, you know, in your late teens, um, early twenties, really stepping into a, like an, a professional role within the system, which as you said, you have a lot of pressure on yourself because I'm, you know, I know you and I know you love to perform highly, but you also had, as you were saying, you really wanted to impress the founder, your dad, you really wanted to impress the people around you, you really wanted to earn your spot, make sure that you were um, uh, showcasing your value and your abilities. Um, and if you're a young person now, what advice would you give them based on your experiences? Like, how do you kind of step into a role within a system or step into um, even a vendor position in franchise? Like, how do you step into this industry as a young person who has experience in it, but really wants to, um, you know, not stand out is the wrong word, but like, you really just want to do a great job and kind of enter into this industry you care about, obviously, a lot. Um, and you have a lot of history in, do you have any kind of tips or advice? Or is there any like mindset that you had that was really helpful? Or um, yeah, I'm just curious, because I think that's a very common thing that we're seeing a lot of right now. Mm -hmm. I have a few different things rolling around in my head of what, I, what might be helpful for people to hear. So I'll just I'll give a couple random things here. Um, when I took that that job in uh, in our home office at, at the reception, um, I felt very small, like I did not feel like, Ooh, I'm this empowered. Like I knew I was at the bottom of the food chain and I don't mean because I was a receptionist, because that is an important role, but because I was so inexperienced. So I think I just, I, I, I don't know how I exactly, I don't know how I exactly handle it, but I know that that's how I felt hmm. the difference when I took that, the role out in the field, working with franchisees, um, and and also a little bit removed from our home office, like working for our area developer. So it was it was like all new people. I was living in a new place. Yeah. Um, in that situation, I didn't start out feeling as small because I felt like I could tell that like people really believed in me in that role. And I don't know if this is helpful or not for people to listen, but I think maybe the key point is like that was a better role for me anyway than being at the reception. I should you you know me, picture me. <laughs> Picture me trying to be all super organized at a reception desk, like answering calls, wanting to just chat with people while when they, but then no, you got to be efficient. You got to put the call through, you know? <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah. yeah. Um, so maybe it's because the role itself, I learned a lot in that. And here, I guess here's the thing too, though. I don't regret that I wasn't maybe in the perfect quote unquote seat when I was in that reception Well, I learned so much about the inner workings of an office. Hmm. So um, I think it, here's here's my big tip, actually. Here's what I would say then. I just needed to explain all that maybe to get to this point. But yeah. but at, as a young person, take the opportunity. Like I, at this point in my life, I'm not going to do something that doesn't motivate me and that I don't feel like I'm in my purpose and that I'm in the right seat. I'm with the right people, all that. But it was, I, I, it's so different when you're in your, like in the early 20s, mid 20s, even maybe late 20s, depending on your experience as getting out of your comfort zone, even more, the younger you are, the more you're going to get out of it. And so that was me in that reception seat. And in that technical services department, like if someone had asked me a year before that, like, would that make sense for you to do that? I'd be like, no. But then when the opportunity came up, I was like, well, this is kind of cool. And my direct report in that role was really uh, giving me good work. And like, I learned so much in that role. So it's, it's get out of your comfort zone and be okay with like, 
It might not be perfect because that's how you're going to learn what you're good at and what what feels right to you. So I think that would be my biggest uh, advice for people getting it when you're younger is suck it up a little. <laughs> yeah, I think that um, that's actually really, really key and and speaks to a lot of people who are in what I would say, like beginning stages of something. Right. So whether you're a young person entering into a specific industry or business or if you are just someone who is entering into a new role or a new, you know, um, space in your career development, right, is not being afraid to just try a whole bunch of things or do a whole bunch, even if it doesn't feel like it's the exact right thing. Um, action equals growth. Action equals growth. And then following, and I think we talked about this on a, on a past podcast as well, um, similar of talking about your story, um, but really just following that gut feeling of what feels right. Um, so, you know, the fact that looking back, you're going, oh, it's interesting how it, it didn't take long to get into a different seat, right? A couple years of, of learning and development. And when I was in this different seat, I just knew this was way more what I felt good about and what I felt excited about. So that's really interesting. And actually, I would also recommend if there's anyone new in business or franchising or whatever, listening to the podcast, or if you, you know, if you're listening and you send this to somebody, um, I definitely have a big key takeaway, which is, um, Go read The Defining Decade. Have you read that book? Angela? No, I don't even think I've heard of it. So this is my key takeaway. Um, there was the TED, a TEDx, um, uh, what do you call it? Talk, TED Talk. <laughs> um, yeah. this, um, I believe it's uh, uh, Dr. Uh, Meg J, Megan J, Meg J, I believe is her name, who does the book, um, and the, the TED um, Talk, which is phenomenal. I really highly recommend just watching that if you don't want to yeah. read it book but her whole premise uh, and I won't get into some of the other premises but her premise is that your 20s are not unimportant like I think a lot of society has really tried to make people feel like your 20s are just like oh throw them away who cares you mm -hmm. don't care when you hit your 30s no I disagree so with you no those are important years you're learning so much that you don't even know you're learning if you're in that stage even you Val yeah, yeah. <laughs> no you look back and go oh my gosh yeah no, it's such a key point in your life and not a time and her her or her uh, talk too really talks about it. it's not a time necessarily that needs to have a ton of pressure. You don't need to put all this pressure of like I have to do all these things, but instead you do have to take it seriously. And there's like she has four, I think it's like four premises. She might have more in the book, but four premises in the talk that she talks about. And one of them is just adding value to yourself. And so that's exactly what you were saying. Um, mm -hmm. you don't have, it doesn't have to be a degree or a certificate or a job experience that you necessarily will use in 20 years. Like that's not what this is about. Your 20s are just yep. adding as much value as possible to you as a human. And that can look like so many different things. And then, you know, for you to say like, taking that reception job was not like, I love reception and organization and customer service. Like that's not necessarily where that was coming from, but it was, oh my gosh, I'm just going to continue adding this valuable experience into my life. And that's going to help me figure out where I want to go. So I, I think that has always really stuck with me. And there was a few other premises that I would really recommend watching the, the TED uh, talk for sure on, but that one has always stuck with me on anything you try anything you're going to do, it's, it's almost like adding this personal value to your life. Um, so I, I always really like that. And that's exactly what you were just saying. So just another yeah, just, way for you. The just to be clear too, that reception job was really hard for me. Like mm -hmm. that, like it was, it was, it was like, it was hard and it didn't feel like the thing that I was using my superpowers. You know what I mean? Like, so that's, yeah. So it's a good learning for sure. I think um, you're so right. Like, yeah, adding value based on like, just look at everything, like whether it's kind of goes back to like 
win or learn, right? Like I'm not saying I failed at the job, but I learned something. I didn't love, 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 but I knew I was gaining something. So I think people need to have that perspective when, when you're younger, that if you're in, especially if you're in a role that you don't love right now, and I agree with you, you don't have to put yourself through the ringer, but accept that there's going to be a lot of learnings. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it, it goes back to also what you were saying about like, you know, taking opportunities when they come to you. So if you're not liking what you're doing right now and you're really recognizing like, wow, I don't love this about it. I don't love this. Um, and then a new opportunity presents itself. That's like a different thing that you could learn to do, or maybe a different thing that you could figure out. Does this feel better? Does this solve some of the things I was struggling with, with this other opportunity or experience? Um, it's the same thing. If an opportunity is presented, take it. So like those key takeaways, I guess, go together. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But coming from a true Gen Xer, I think I'm a Gen Xer. Think. Um, yes, I've, uh, I've given up trying to figure out whatever yeah. is. Yeah. Well, <laughs> this is going to sound very. I think this is going to sound like my generation, but I do think also though it's it like uh, in addition to like like I guess stick it out. Like don't give up so quick. Sometimes I think that these days people we're used to everything being fast and move on. And I do think that maybe people are missing an opportunity to get some more learning or growth or actually like something that they didn't think they'd like if they gave it a little bit more of an opportunity. Um, it's, I would, this is advice I would give to my kids, um, you know, like find something you love, but at this, again, at this stage in life, like you all aren't going to like, you don't just always get to do what you love. Like you have to figure out how to get through some of the stuff that you don't love. Cause there will be times even later on in life, like for me that I have to do things I don't love. Right. And I have to all unfortunately <laughs> don't get to a completely fun life. <laughs> I mean, yeah, exactly. I'm working on it. Come on, man. <laughs> I mean, I, I was gonna, I was gonna say that you, you know, me with my cold water swimming. Um, to be 100% transparent, getting in the water, I hate. Like, I hate getting in the water. It's cold every time. You do not start to get used to it. You just trust that if I do this hard thing, I'm gonna feel really good after. And I think. I think that is my generation. That's, I think, the way that maybe baby boomers too, but like knowing that, okay, do the hard thing to get the good thing. Because sometimes like, and for me with the ocean swimming in the winter, it's crazy, right? There'll be like, sometimes we even, as you know, in Victoria, get the odd bit of snow on the ground in the winter. And it's like, there's snow. I'm going in this cold ocean. This is so dumb, you know, and I'm going and I'm doing it. But the windier, colder the day, the more accomplished I feel after. Like right now in the summer, it's still really cold, but yeah. it's just not as adventurous. But like, I don't have as much, so I think just for young people to know, like, just trust that if you're doing something that's harder, that like, you'll get probably more out of it. Yeah, yeah. I think that is, yeah, good to keep in mind, especially if you're heading into an industry where you have, um, you know, some familial experience and stuff um, and, and knowing that there will be times where it's going to be a bit tough, especially if you have a lot of, you know, pressure or, or um, just self expectation, or you're trying a lot of new things, you're trying to figure out, you know, your own space. And I think that is very true. Being able to, to push through hard times is obviously um, a really valuable skill at any point in life, but especially when you're starting out and especially when you have a lot of history in a space like franchising um, and you want to, you know, thrive and do well. And, and it's not always going to be sunshine and rainbows, unfortunately. <laughs> but um, Angela, we could literally talk, I'm sure, for hours, but we are nearing the end of our podcast time together. Is there anything um, else that you were wanting to share on this topic before we finish up today? Yeah, one last thing I'll, I'll share regarding family and franchising and regarding young people in franchising 
is the importance of having a mentor and ideally not just someone in your family, but also someone on the outside. That yeah. would be something because I mean, of course, like I said, my dad was my, my mentor, but then he introduced me to different people that I could talk to as mentors that were not in the family. And as a young person to have that outside influence, I found really valuable. And I think we get, when we use just family members as mentors, you know, it's pretty in a bubble, right. And yeah. they're, they might even be biased in what they're telling you, not intentionally, but uh, yeah. So I think young, I mean, we all need mentors and, but especially as a young person in franchising, in a family business of some sort to think about like, how can I get some different perspective? Yeah. I think that's really, really valuable advice. And um, I think it's also fine to have more than one mentor, as you just said, like if you know that you have someone you turn to often within your close circle, that's amazing. And I don't think it's, you know, as you said, like, there's no reason to not have that. I, it's super valuable, but there is also so much value to be um, taken from an outside perspective or someone who maybe hasn't known you since you were, you know, yay high, <laughs> that would also be valuable because they are going to have a fresh set of eyes on your skill set or value you bring or your own experiences. So um, yeah, I think that's, that's a really, really good call. Um, I think that is it for us, Ange. I have just had such an amazing time chatting with you as always. All right. Well, everybody, Bell and everyone that's listening, go be awesome. Thanks so much for listening today. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe if you enjoyed the show. For more resources on franchise growth, check out our blog or join one of the AC Roundtables. They are weekly Zoom calls focused on peer collaboration and business development. We have groups for established brands, emerging brands, and professional development groups for both field coaches and marketers. Also, if you're interested in any of the AC courses, assessing your field coaching, or hiring and training field coaches for your system, head to angelacote.com to learn more and get in touch with our team.